Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sunrise Community Church. Bienvenidos a todos a la Iglesia Comunidad Amanecer. It's so good to see all of you here and uh, to also uh, see, well, we can't see, but you can see us. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you and uh, hope that this is an opportunity through technology for you to worship with us. Damos la bienvenida a los que estén en línea también adorando con nosotros. Uh, we have some beautiful children here who need what we all need. They need the Word of God and we want to give it to them. So we're going to uh, have our children go out for children in worship time. It's for our boys and girls, three years and up to fifth grade. Es el tiempo de niños en adoración para los niños de tres años hasta quinto grado. They are going to really uh, have a wonderful time together, as are we. We're going to be opening up God's word here in just a moment. Uh, before we do, I just want to highlight a couple things real quickly. First of all, you will notice that the table is set today because we're coming to the Lord's table for the Lord's Supper. Hoy vamos a tener la Santa Cena. And I want to make clear that if you have professed and trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you understand that you need Him and what He provides in the way of forgiveness, in the way of healing. And you are determined to leave behind an old life of sin and to follow in a new life in Christ. This table is for you. It is not for perfect people. It is for people who know they are not perfect and need Jesus. So uh, you are invited, and if you're not quite sure where you are with Jesus, you are invited just to simply observe and learn and, and perhaps uh, be inspired in some way. Invitamos a los que han profesado al Señor Jesucristo como su Rey, Salvador y Señor, a que vengan a la mesa del Señor reconociendo los pecados y también mirando a Cristo como nuestro único perdón. I also want to just take us to a point of prayer here, and, and this is where, you know, I love that we understand we have an order of worship, we have a, a, a way of going into worship, but we also have moments where, where we can stop and say, hey, you know, we need to call upon the Lord, and this is one of those moments. This is, this is something that's been on my heart. Tomorrow night, our Sunrise leaders, our servant team, will be meeting for an important meeting. We are close to making some very important decisions about our future partners, our future denominational partner as a church. We've been in this process. Mañana los líderes de la iglesia vamos a estar decidiendo acerca del futuro de la iglesia y, y con quién vamos a andar en la nueva denominación. So that's an important meeting. I want you to be aware of it so that you can pray. And I don't want to just ask you to pray. I would like us to pray right now. And so I'm going to invite you just to pause with me, if you would, and let's pray for our leaders and for our church. Vamos a dar una pausa y orar por la iglesia. God, you have been watching over us through this year as we've made some big decisions. Uh, we, we're making a decision uh, to go in a new direction, to walk with a new partnership with new people, and we're at a place of deciding which direction to go, and we need you. De veras, Señor, necesitamos tu sabiduría y dirección al decidir la nueva dirección de la iglesia, con quienes vamos a andar. We pray for the servant team leaders, our elders and deacons, as they meet tomorrow night, as they discuss. Would you put the light on our path that we need? Would you show us the way to go? Que nos indiques el camino que debemos llevar, Señor. Help us to trust that whatever decision is made, it will be one that is made because you know better than we do, and you will take care of us as we, as we go forward to walk with a new group of Christian churches. Help us in that. Ayúdanos, Señor, a confiar en tu sabiduría uh, cuando andamos con esta nuevo, este nuevo grupo de iglesias. We ask this 
because we know you are the source of all wisdom and light and the source of all truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen. Thank you for doing that and for, for your prayers uh, for our servant team in the coming days. We'll be talking about that more. So this morning I want to invite you, if you have a Bible nearby, to open it up, whether it's on your phone or you've brought a Bible, or if you need one, there's some on the tables in the back. Abran sus Biblias, por favor. I'd like to read the first scripture that we're going to be looking at today. El primer texto que vamos a mirar. It's from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 3 beginning at the end of verse 22 to verse 25. Romanos 3, 22 al 25. And as you're getting there, I just want to mention again, like Aaron said, we're in this series of messages looking at exposing fake good news. Estamos en esta serie exponiendo las buenas noticias falsas. And so this is the first of a number of scriptures that we'll be reading today. So I want you to have your Bibles ready to look at some other texts. Vamos a mirar otros textos en el camino. But I want to begin by reading this one first in Spanish. Voy a comenzar leyendo en español. This is the word of God for us this morning. Palabra del Señor. Y dice lo siguiente, siguiente al fin del versículo 22. De hecho no hay distinción. Pues todos han pecado. Y están privados de la gloria de Dios, pero por su gracia son justificados gratuitamente mediante la redención que Cristo Jesús efectuó. Dios lo ofreció como un sacrificio de expiación que se recibe por la fe en su sangre para así demostrar su justicia. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement to be received through faith in his blood. So we'll be picking up other scriptures along the way uh, as we go forward. A hundred years ago, it was known as the Great War. The Great War. Hace cien años la llamaron la Gran Guerra. Now, a hundred years later, we call it World War One. La llamamos la Primera Guerra Mundial. Why do we call it World War One, and why do they call it the Great War? Well, they called it the Great War because, you see, a hundred years ago, people believed that that was literally history's last war that that was the final war the war to end all wars la gente creía que era la última guerra de toda la historia there would be no more wars because that one was so bad and finally it was over and after world war one after the great war there was this incredible surge of faith in human progress in human potential, había mucha fe en el progreso humano, la, la prosperidad humana. And there was a lot in the world that seemed to give us a reason to believe that. There was a firm foundation for that faith, it seemed, because a hundred years ago, after World War I, after the Great War, things were going really well. There was world peace. There was all this unprecedented prosperity going on economically and technological progress. Había mucha paz, mucha prosperidad en el mundo. It was really looking good for a while. 
until along came this guy named Adolf Hitler. Después llegó Hitler. He became the chancellor of Germany after World War One, and within a short time, he started to, to rattle things. Se hizo canciller de, de Alemania. He kind of helped himself to the country of Austria, just kind of, boop, that's mine. And then he was preparing to invade the country of Czechoslovakia. Se apropió de Austria y estaba a punto de invadir Czechoslovakia. And once again, the world got a little bit concerned because the clouds of war were starting to gather again. Otra vez había la amenaza de la guerra. But there was this guy, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. El primer ministro de la Gran Bretaña, Neville Chamberlain. He really thought that, that in his heart of hearts, Adolf Hitler was really a decent respectable and reasonable guy. Él pensaba que Hitler era un hombre respetable, razonable. And so in September of 1938, he traveled to Germany. In September of 1938, he went to Germany and he went there to try to, you know, negotiate a solution. Fue para negociar una solución. And so what he did is Chamberlain offered Adolf Hitler just a a tiny piece, a tiny corner of Czechoslovakia in exchange for a promise that Hitler would not invade anymore and that Hitler would stop invading countries. Le dio una porción de Czechoslovakia a cambio de una promesa de, de que Hitler no iba a invadir más. And guess what? Hitler accepted. Hitler aceptó. And Neville Chamberlain went back to Great Britain triumphantly proclaiming that he has secured peace for our time. Chamberlain proclamaba que había asegurado la paz en nuestra época. It didn't last much time. Within a year, Hitler had not only invaded Czechoslovakia, he had invaded Poland. He was getting ready to invade France, among other countries, and this war that we now know as World War II was underway. This, dentro de un año, Hitler invadió a Czechoslovakia, Polonia, hasta Francia, y se desataba la Segunda Guerra Mundial. So Neville Chamberlain's optimism was quickly eclipsed by the cold hand of this Second World War that was even bigger than the Great War. Su optimismo fue eclipsado por la Segunda Guerra Mundial. In fact, in the end, it is estimated that the Second World War claimed around, get this, 80 million lives. Se mataron unos 80 millones de personas, and that's just the Second World War. There's been a few wars since then, maybe a few hundred. Why am I telling that story? I'm telling that story because I believe it applies to us in this way. There is a little bit of Neville Chamberlain in all of us. Hay algo de Neville Chamberlain en todos nosotros. What do I mean? I mean that there is something inside all of us that really wants to believe that at the end of the day all people are basically decent and respectable and, and reasonable people. Queremos creer que todas las personas son respetables, razonables, decentes. There's something inside of us that really wants to believe that we're not that bad off. 
We're not that bad. Oh, sure, we have our little flaws here and there. Tenemos nuestros desperfectos aquí y allá, pero no somos tan malos. There's something inside of us that really wants to believe that at the end of the day, sin is not a big deal. It's not a big problem. Queremos creer que el pecado no es nada grande o grave. There's an author by the name of Philip Gully that I've quoted before in this series of messages, and he says this. He says that churches that teach that people are sinful, those churches, he says, are guilty of spiritual abuse and mistreatment. Dice un autor que las iglesias que enseñan que somos pecadores son culpables de abuso espiritual. And that's just the churches that teach us. I mean, the churches that actually believe that. They're guilty of spiritual abuse. In fact, he says this. Affirming human potential is way more important than pointing out sin because we're really not that bad. Afirmar el potencial humano más importante que señalar el pecado. Now, I want to say I agree in part. I agree in part. Estoy de acuerdo en parte. Affirming human potential is important. Es importante afirmar el potencial humano. In fact, the Bible itself makes the greatest statement of all regarding human potential. La Biblia tiene la declaración más grande del potencial humano. It's found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 which says that God made us male and female. He made us in his image. La Biblia dice que nos hizo a todos a su imagen. What is that saying? It's saying God created the human race. He created us in such a way that we were meant to reflect and and re represent his glorious beauty, his truth, his goodness in the world by expressing perfectly his will and his ways on this earth. Dios nos creó para reflejar su gloria, su belleza, su verdad, expresando su bondad, su camino y su voluntad en este mundo. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think you can get an, any statement of human potential that's greater than that. That has to be the greatest statement ever of human potential. Es la declaración más grande del potencial humano. But the same Bible that says this is our potential as human beings also affirms that there is something terribly wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong with our human potential. La Biblia afirma que hay algo muy mal que anda con nuestro potencial. Romans 3.23, the verse that we just read, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Todos han pecado y están privados de la gloria de Dios. All have sinned. So, in spite of the incredible potential that we have as human beings made in the image of God, all of us, because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve and every single member of the human race, all of us are broken to the point that we do not even come close to living up to our potential. Todos estamos quebrados por la desobediencia y pecado y no llegamos a nuestro potencial como seres humanos. We've fallen short, way short, not just a little short, but way short 
of the glory of God, of the vision of God for us. No hemos cumplido con la visión de Dios para nosotros. And as you look at the Bible, uh, it's all over the place. The Bible is very clear about this reality. La Biblia está muy en claro sobre esta realidad. I want to just take you through a few scriptures. We could look at so many. But why don't we start with Psalm number 14, or if you prefer, Psalm number 53. The first three verses both say the same exact identical thing. And I think that's because... The, you know, the Bible, when it says something twice, is trying to emphasize something. La Biblia en Salmo 14 y 53 dicen la misma cosa en los primeros tres versículos. Let's look at the first three verses. Psalm 14 or 53, take your pick. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Dicen necio en su corazón, no hay Dios. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. Están corrompidos. Sus obras son detestables. No hay uno solo que haga lo bueno. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Desde el cielo el Señor contempla a los mortales para ver si hay algunos que sea, alguien que sea sensato y que busque a Dios. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Todos se han descarriado, aún se han corrompido. No hay nadie que haga lo bueno. No hay uno Solo. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 6 and 7 says something similar. Isaiah 64, 6 y 7. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Todos somos gente impura. Todos nuestros actos de injusticia son como trapos de inmundicia. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Todos nos marchitamos como hojas, nuestras iniquidades nos arrastran como el viento. No one calls on your name, God, or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sin. Nadie invoca tu nombre, Señor, ni se esfuerza por aferrarse a ti, pues nos has dado la espalda y nos has entregado en poder de nuestras iniquidades. Notice the words all. Notice the word no one. All have become unclean. No one looks for God. We're determined to follow our own way. Estamos determinados para seguir nuestro propio camino. In fact, two more places. Proverbs 14, 12. Or, if you prefer, Proverbs 16, 25. They're both the same verse. Proverbios 14, 12 o 16, 25. And this is what Proverbs 14.12 or 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Dice, hay caminos que al hombre le parecen rectos, pero acaban por ser caminos de muerte. See, we have all come to a point where we do not know how to live into our potential as people made in the image of God. We're sinful. I'm sorry if you're feeling abused right now, but that's what the Bible says. Somos pecadores. There's an author by the name of G.K. Chesterton, a, a Catholic writer, escritor católico, G.K. Chesterton. He said, uh, almost 100 years ago, he said this. He said, the biblical doctrine of original sin, which is the doctrine that we are all 
sinful because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. We're all infected by that. He says that the doctrine of original sin is the most easily validated biblical doctrine in the history of the world. Human history validates that sin is a problem in our world. Just pick the wars out. Just pick out all the, just open the newspaper. You don't have to work very hard to say we live in a world where there's a lot of sin. El pecado original que somos infectados del pecado Adán y Eva es, es validado por la historia. And then he goes on to say something else. It, it took me a while to figure out this quote, but let's see if I can share it with you. He says this. He says, throughout all the ages, there has been this disastrous alliance between abnormal innocence and abnormal sinfulness. Él dice que hay esta alianza desastrosa entre la inocencia anormal y el pecado anormal. What's he saying? He's saying that as human beings, there's something inside of us that is abnormally innocent. There's something inside of us that, like Neville Chamberlain, wants to believe we're really not that bad off. Hay algo en nosotros inocente, de forma anormal, que no somos tan malos. That part of us over here is saying, it's not that bad, while there's another part of us that's like Adolf Hitler plotting to invade and take over the world and make it in our image. Hay otra parte que como Hitler quiere invadir el mundo y hacerlo a nuestra imagen. We live with both of those. There's a little bit of Chamberlain and a little bit of Hitler inside of us at the same time. That's the problem of sin. This is the problema del pecado. But what the Bible tells us is that the real, the real good news of the gospel, the real good news of God must begin with the bad news of sin. Las buenas noticias de Dios tienen que comenzar con las malas noticias del pecado. Unless we begin to, to understand the problem, unless we begin to understand what sin is and, and what sin does and how pervasive it is in us and in our, our world, until we get a good grip on the problem of sin, we're not going to be ready to even hear about God's solution for it. A menos que podamos captar el problema del pecado, no vamos a estar listos para la solución de Dios. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, we find the marvelous truth for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, just a page over from the first scripture we read, Romanos 5, 8. Here's an astounding declaration that the Bible makes. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Dios demuestra su amor por nosotros en esto, en que cuando todavía éramos pecadores, Cristo murió por nosotros. Notice what it doesn't say. It, it doesn't say when we finally woke up and started to realize that we needed help, then Jesus came and And, and gave us a little boost to get us going. No dice que cuando nos despertamos, Cristo vino para ayudarnos. Cuando nos despertamos a nuestro problema. It doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say 
when we started to get our act together and to become better people, when we started to become a little more exceptional, Jesus came and filled the gap and, and got us the rest of the way. He got us to the finish line. Cuando empezamos a mejorar, Cristo vino para ayudarnos a llegar a la meta. It doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? While we were still sinners. In other words, while we were still going away from God, rejecting God and his ways, thinking that we knew the way that was right, but heading towards death, while we were hating God, thumbing our nose at God, maybe giving God some other finger signals and telling him what to do, while we were doing that, God stepped in and provided Jesus, his only son, to die in our place. That's amazing. Cuando íbamos alejándonos de Dios, rechazándolo, odiándolo, retándolo, Dios envió a su Hijo para morir por nosotros. That is good news that we do not deserve. And that's what makes it so good. It's not only good news, that is incredible news. That's great news, fantastic news. Son maravillosas noticias. Author C.S. Lewis put it this way. He says, we need to understand fallen man, fallen women, fallen humankind, we're not just imperfect creatures who need to improve a little bit. Fallen man is a rebel who must lay down his arms and surrender. El hombre caído no es un ser Imperfecto que solo necesita mejorar es un rebelde que tiene que deponer sus armas. We need to understand what sin is and sin, what sin is not. Although we'd like it to be, sin is not just a little hiccup on the road. Sin's not just a, you know, a slight little error, a little mistake, a, a minor setback. Pecado no es un, un error pequeño, un, un atraso pequeño. Sin's not any of those things as much as the Neville Chamberlain in this wants to say, oh, it's not that bad. We're really just decent, respectable people trying our best. No. What is sin according to the Bible? It is a rebellion against the goodness of God. It is invading, literally invading God's good creation in an attempt to set up our own kingdoms and become our own dictators and become our own gods. El pecado es una invasión de creación de Dios para hacernos dictadores y hasta dioses. And sin, when we open our eyes to it, sin causes so much damage so much destruction, so much disease and suffering and death. It is so serious. Es tan grave el pecado que causa tanta destrucción, tanto sufrimiento, tanta muerte. It's so bad. There's only one solution for sin that does not involve our eternal banishment from the goodness and grace of God. Hay una sola cura que no involucra nuestro destierro de la bondad de Dios. 
There's only one possible solution that would not involve our eternal destruction, and that is the banishment and the death of God's perfect, holy, innocent Son in our place. La muerte y el destierro del Hijo de Dios en nuestro lugar. That's the only solution that would not destroy us. God's Son. You want to talk about spiritual abuse? Yes. We have abused ourselves of God and God's Son paid the price. Hemos abusado a Dios y su Hijo pagó el precio. But that's good news. That's good news. Let's go back to Romans 3.23. Romanos 3.23. It says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the bad news. Todos han pecado y están privados de la gloria de Dios. We, we've kind of established that. But here's the good news. All are justified or made right freely by His grace or the undeserved gift that came through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Pero todos por su gracia son justificados gratuitamente mediante la redención que Jesucristo efectuó. God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement to be received through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice or to make us right with him. Dios lo ofreció como sacrificio de expiación que se recibe por la fe en su sangre para así demostrar su justicia. So, in order to understand the good news and how good the good news is, we really need to first get a grip on the bad news of sin. Para comprender lo bueno que son las buenas noticias, hay que comprender las malas noticias. There's a Christian writer by the name of Michael Kruger, and I want to share with you what he says. Michael Kruger, un autor cristiano, dice esto. He says, rejecting the biblical teaching on sin is one thing, but behind that reje rejection is a rejection of an even more fundamental Christian truth, which is that the purpose of Jesus' death was to save us from our sin. Si rechazamos la doctrina del pecado, estamos rechazando otra doctrina, que es que el propósito de la muerte de Cristo es para salvarnos de los pecados. What is he saying? He's saying if you deny that you have a sin problem or you deny that, that there is a sin problem, in effect, you're denying Jesus as God's sin solution. Si niegas el problema de pecado, estás negando a Jesús como la solución al pecado. So, the early church leader Paul, whom we've read from some this morning, in, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says something pretty powerful. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Ese mensaje dice Pablo es digno de crédito y merece ser aceptado que Cristo vino al mundo a salvar a los pecadores de los cuales yo soy el primero. I don't know if that's an objective statement but it was certainly what Paul was saying and feeling. I'm the worst of the worst and yet Jesus has saved me. That's good news. In 1 Peter 3.18, Peter uh, outlines it in a different way. Primero de Pedro 3.18, he says, Christ died for sins 
once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. He was the righteous one, we were the unrighteous ones, and he died for our sins once for all to bring you to God, to bring you to God. Dice, Cristo murió por los pecados una vez por todas, el justo por los injustos a fin de llevarlos a ustedes a Dios. So what are we trying to say here? What we're saying is that attaining or coming to our true human potential is not going to come from denying sin. That's not how you're going to find your potential as a human being. No encuentras su potencial como ser humano negando el pecado. Really, attaining our true potential as human beings comes from admitting our sin, recognizing our sin, and also acknowledging that Jesus Christ, the sinful one, sinless one, has died in our place as a perfect sacrifice. That Jesus, the sinless sacrifice, is God's provision for us. You begin to admit that, both your sinfulness and your need for Jesus, and you're on your way to discovering what human potential is all about. Si admites tu pecado y, y abrazas a Jesús como la solución, estás en camino a ver tu verdadero potencial. That's where it begins. There's a quote that I know I've shared here before, but I, I just really, it, it is so profound. It's simple but profound. It comes from uh, Blaise Pascal, who was a French scientist and philosopher, a Christian from several hundred years ago. Pascal, a philosopher Francis dijo eso. He says this, all faith, all faith consists in either Jesus Christ or Adam. Toda la fe consiste en Jesucristo o en Adán. What's he saying? He's saying at the end of the day, you only really have two options. Trust in your own goodness, your own human potential as a descendant of Adam or trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ. Those are the only two ways you can go. O confiesa en tu propia bondad como descendiente de Adán o confiesa en el Señor Jesús. Take your pick, but the, ultimately you're either going down this road or that one. Well, let's, let's think about that. Where do those roads lead? A donde llevan esos caminos? 1 Corinthians 15.22 tells us very clearly. 1 Corinthians 15.22 It says, As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Como en Adán todos mueren, así en Cristo todos volverán a vivir. Trust in your own goodness as a descendant of Adam, you die. It's a dead end. Trust in the goodness of Jesus Christ who died in your place, you are made alive. Confías en Adán, mueres, confías en Cristo y volverás a vivir. So the real good news of the gospel is going to destroy uh, the myth of our own human potential and progress in our own strength. And what it's going to do is it's, it's going to point us in the direction of trusting in Jesus, of being transformed in our potential through faith in Him. El Evangelio destruye mito de progreso humano en nosotros y nos señala Jesús como la fuente de nuestro potencial. Again, I've got another quote from Michael Kruger that I think is worth sharing. He says this, The gospel, the good news, allows us to affirm both our deep sinfulness and the amazing potential we have in Jesus. El Evangelio nos ayuda a afirmar nuestro pecado y el potencial humano que tenemos en Jesús. What is it saying? 
Our true human potential is found in being remade, becoming new people made in the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to embrace him, to to believe in him, to be forgiven by him. You are now set free to live in a new way as a new creature, a new person in Christ. That's your potential. Your potential is found in Jesus. Si abrazas a Jesús, tu potencial está en él. And so the two go together. It's not an either or. And that's why we want to come to the Lord's table this morning. I'm going to come down here. This is, this is a peace table. This is una mesa de paz. In other words, Jesus invites us to come here and affirm some things. There are two things we can affirm at this table. Hay dos cosas para afirmar en esta mesa. First, we are challenged to come and affirm our sinfulness. Tenemos que afirmar nuestro pecado. We're rebels and we're called to lay down our arms, our weapons. Somos rebeldes que tenemos que rendir o deponer nuestras armas. So we come admitting our sin. But at the same time, we come admitting that our true potential is in Jesus as new people. Afirmamos que nuestro potencial es como nuevas personas en Cristo. That it's by the the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that we can live in a new way. Our potential is so much greater because of that. Por la, uh, la sangre del cuerpo de Cristo podemos vivir como nuevas personas. That's how we come. So, affirming our human potential is not more important than pointing out sin. Afirmar el potencial humano no es más importante que señalar el pecado. That's fake good news. The good news is found in affirming both our sinfulness and the potential we have in Christ. It's about inviting Jesus into our lives to invade to set up shop as king, as ruler, and Lord. Nuestro potencial está en invitar a Jesús a invadir nuestro corazón y establecer su reino. Can you affirm that? Can you affirm your need for Jesus because of sin and your trust in him because of who he is? Pueden afirmar su pecado y su necesidad de Jesús. If you can do that, come to this table and you will find peace with God not only for our time but for all of eternity aquí encontrarán paz no solo para nuestra época sino para toda la eternidad so as we prepare for the table I want to do something that I think is important the ten commandments in the Bible one of the purposes that God has for them is to show us our need for him, our sin. Los diez mandamientos nos muestran el pecado. In fact, I want to recommend something that I recently did. I'd never done it before, but it really impacted me. I spent some time going through the Ten Commandments 
and taking inventory of my life. How am I doing on this one? How am I doing on this one? How am I doing on this one? Full disclosure, I failed the test miserably. Every single command, I know I have failed. Yo he fallado en todos los diez mandamientos. And not only that, when I was done, you know what I found out? God, the Neville Chamberlain in me, didn't even want to tell you half of it. Didn't want to tell me the half of it. I need you. Now that's not to despair, it's to look out from me to Jesus, for us to look to Jesus. So we're going to recite the Ten Commandments. Vamos a recitar los diez mandamientos. So I want to invite you to stand. Pongámonos de pie. And we're going to go through this slowly, and I want you to think through your own life and your own need. And the purpose of this is not only to expose sin, but to point us to Jesus. Esto nos expone pecado y nos señala Jesús. We'll read in English first and then in Spanish each one of the commands. So this is what God's Word said. Let's read together. You shall have no other gods before me. No tengas otros dioses además de mí. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. No te hagas ningún ídolo ni nada que guarde semejanza con ninguna cosa. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. No pronuncies el nombre del Señor tu Dios a la ligera. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Acuérdate del sábado para consagrarlo. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honra a tu padre y a tu madre para que disfrutes de una larga vida en la tierra que te da el Señor tu Dios. You shall not murder. No matarás. You shall not commit adultery. No cometerás adulterio. You shall not steal. No robarás. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. No darás falso testimonio en contra de tu prójimo. And then I'm going to read the last one. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. No codiciarás la casa de tu prójimo. No codicies su esposa, ni su siervo, ni su sierva, ni su buey, ni su burro, ni nada que le pertenezca. In light of that revelation, I want to invite us to pray and bring our, our confession of sin before the Lord. Vamos a orar y confesar nuestros pecados al Señor. Oh Lord, we like to think that we are better than the rest. Like the disciple Peter, we're, we like to think that while all others may fail you, we will not. Como Pedro, nos gusta pensar que somos superiores a los demás. Si los otros te fallan, nosotros no lo haremos. The truth is, God, we, we don't know how weak we are and how easily we fail. La verdad es que no sabemos cuán débiles somos y con qué facilidad caemos. 
Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for the subtle and the not so subtle ways we have denied knowing you. Perdónanos, Señor Jesús, por las formas sutiles y no tan sutiles que hemos negado conocerte. Forgive us for the times we've failed to speak up or to speak out for the truth, the ways that we've acted contrary to what we even profess. Perdona las veces que no hemos, uh, no nos hemos atrevido a hablar las formas en que hemos actuado en contra de lo que profesamos ser. Thank you, Jesus, for never denying your mission. Thank you for submitting to the agony and the death of the cross in our place. Gracias, Señor, por, porque nunca negaste tu misión. Gracias por someterte a la agonía y la muerte de la cruz en nuestro lugar. By your Holy Spirit, may we never boast in anything but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Por tu Espíritu Santo que jamás nos ocurra actarnos de otra cosa sino de la cruz del Señor Jesucristo. Hear us in the silence, Lord, as we bring ourselves to you and confess our sins. Escúchanos en el silencio. Thank you, Jesus, that while we were still sinners, while we were still going against you, you died for us. And you rose for us. Gracias que cuando éramos pecadores, moriste por nosotros, Señor Jesús. It's in your name we receive the promise of forgiveness through your body and blood given for us. Recibimos la promesa del perdón por medio de tu cuerpo y sangre entregados por nosotros. It's in Christ's name we pray, en el nombre del Señor Jesús. And all God's people said, Amen.